Welcome to the 49th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Todd Ritter, mystery novelist and author of the new novel, Bad Moon. Well, this is uh, Jeffrey Deaver, author of, uh, most recently, The Burning Wire, and uh, soon to be author of the next continuation James Bond novel. I spend a lot of time writing, a lot of time researching my books, um, but uh, when I'm not doing that, I, I love uh, listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast, which you can hear at readingandwritingpodcast.com. Well, welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Todd Ritter, author of the new book, Bad Moon, available in bookstores this week. Todd, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't heard about Bad Moon yet, can you give readers a sense of what the book is all about? Um, sure. It's the present-day search for a boy who vanished in 1969. He disappeared on July 20th, the night of the Apollo 11 moon landing. And everyone thinks that he drowned in a creek nearby his house and was washed away and down again. The only person who thought that he might still be alive was his mother. Since the present day, her other son returned back home to fulfill her dying wish, which was to find out what happened to Charlie, the boy who disappeared. And joining him are the town's police chief, Cat Campbell, and a former state police investigator, Nick Donnelly who now investigates cold cases. And what they discover is that Charlie isn't the only boy to end up missing during Apollo moon missions, and that there were several throughout the state. Hmm. So what appealed to you about the idea or the concept of the investigation and unraveling of a 40-year-old mystery? Well, I honestly, I was thinking because my first novel, Death Notice, as it was being pitched to publishers, my agent said, come up with a one-page pitch for a second book. And I had no idea. And I was watching a Discovery Channel documentary on the NASA and the moon missions. And there was this one shot of this little boy, like, watching the launch, waving a flag. And for some reason, it just hit me. I'm like, oh, what a cute image what would happen if that kid disappeared? And, you know, it's a morbid idea, but I'm a mystery writer, so those things come naturally, I guess. Right. And it just sort of stemmed from there, and it was very intriguing to me. Like, well, what what happened if, you know, this kid vanished and people started looking into it during the present time? And what events would, you know... It was more a matter of, you know, trying to figure out, like, what happens... How do they investigate it, and what kind of secrets are hidden? And I, you know, had some characters from my first book to use. I'm like, hey, I'll use those and set it in the same town and make it a series. Great. And I'm curious when you when you had that initial idea when you saw the image of the little boy in the documentary, and and you started working on the novel. Are are you the type of writer or? Did you did you outline and have kind of the the novel in your mind before you started working on it, or were you more organic and 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 wrote and tried to figure out as you went along? I'm very much an outliner. I 
I think it's just the way I write. I can't really put down anything on paper until I know exactly where the story is going. And in this case, I mean, there were so many pieces that had to be put in place mm-hmm. and so much research that had to be done that I don't think I could have written it without, you know, outlining it from start to finish. Right. Well, I know from your bio that you've been a journalist and newspaper reporter for 15 years, and you now work at the Star-Ledger in New Jersey. Yes. What, what what impact do you think your journalism has on your novel writing, or do you feel the writing is using just two different creative muscles, so to speak? Well, now I'm actually just a copy editor, so mm-hmm. I, I, I edit other people's work. And I think it benefits my writing because I'm not always having to think about my writing for work. So that allows me to free up my mind for writing my books. Mm -hmm. But the journalism experience, I think, is just invaluable because, first, we work on deadline. And if something needs to be finished, we will finish it on time. I think journalists have a very big work ethic and just by nature. And that's why you see a lot of former journalists getting into writing. And so what, what is your, what is your kind of writing ritual or process like? Do you, do you work in the mornings before you go to work or in the evenings? What's that like? I, I do a lot of outlining and research during the day, but the bulk of the writing takes place at night when I get home from work. I think it's, there are less distractions, it's quiet, it's dark, and it just allows me to just focus on the task at hand. And I've, I've always been pretty much a night owl. Right. And I'm curious, what, what sparked your initial interest in writing? Um, can you remember any kind of defining moment when you realized that you wanted to write for a living? Well, I've always been a big reader, that was one great thing my parents instilled in me is the entertainment value of a book. So I always had my nose in a book growing up. And actually in sixth grade English, we had to write a short story. So I wrote a short story and it got a really big laugh from the rest of the class. <laughs> and right there I was kind of like hooked. I'm like, hmm, this might be fun to do. And so, you know, I, I dabbled in writing throughout junior high and high school and college and, you know, wrote a play, wrote short stories, wrote two novels that never saw the light of day. So I think it was always ingrained in me that I thought it would be a really cool thing to be able to create something out of nothing and entertain people in the process. Sure. Do you remember what some of the books you were reading as a, as a kid that you particularly enjoyed? I really enjoyed the Benicula series. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I remember loving Tales of the Fourth Grade Nothing. And my mom had this whole, she had every paperback of, do you remember Trixie Belden? She was sort of like a yeah, knockoff yeah. Of, of Nancy Drew. Right, right. She didn't have any Nancy Drew, but she had the whole series of Trixie Belden. So <laughs> I just... One summer, I think I read all of them. No Hardy Boys. We didn't have that on the bookshelf. <laughs> well, and I graduated to Agatha Christie probably like in sixth grade. 
That's great. Well, to promote your new book, Bad Moon, I, I know you're launching a bookstore tour that, that you've named the Magical Mystery Tour. Can you tell me how this uh, bookstore tour is going to work exactly? Well, I thought it would be fun to, because, you know, in the, the whole age of ebooks and e-readers that I think bookstores are becoming... I don't want to say obsolete, but they're changing. A lot of them are changing their focus from books to other products in order to stay in existence. And I thought it would be fun to just, you know, go to bookstores. Some are formal signings, some on just dropping by and saying hi and signing what they have in stock. But with each of them, I'm going to include a bookmark. And on the back of the bookmark is a QR code that people can scan with their phones and they'll be entered in a drawing to win a gift certificate to the bookstore of their choice. So hopefully, you know, if someone buys it at an independent store somewhere that I visited and they win, they'll pick that store for the gift certificate and give back to the store. Great. Well, I'm curious if you if you you know you you mentioned um, eBooks and obviously you're doing this uh, local bookstore tour. I'm wondering do you do you do you give a lot of thought to kind of the plight of of local bookstores, especially in light of Amazon unveiling some Kindles last week that will cost as low as seventy nine dollars. Where, where do you where do you think things are headed? I think I I hope that they can coexist peacefully. But my gut feeling is that ebooks are going to take over eventually. And it makes me sad because a lot of places, especially small independent bookstores, they really champion unknown or emerging writers. And I've benefited from the generosity of so many independent bookstores. And it would be a shame to see them eventually go out of business. And I hope that doesn't happen. Sure. Do you do you read e-books yourself? I do have, um, actually I have, I have two e-readers. I have a Kindle <laughs> and I do have an iPad. And I do purchase books from them, but I also purchase books from brick and mortar stores. Sure, sure. Well, Basically when I'm traveling, I, I just, I can't carry... Oh, three I mean, books with me. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that there's a lot of people who who do what you're saying, where they use it for travel or for business reading and for other things, and then also buy physical books as well if they're if they're you know bibliophiles um, and love to read. I think you know people are still doing kind of both. Um, I, I'm curious since you 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 have juggled this successful journalism career and now you're. Uh, second novel is being published. Uh, what what advice would you offer for aspiring writers who may be listening? One to sort of quell that inner voice that's saying you can't do this, because I think anyone can do it if they just stick to it enough. You just have to believe in yourself, believe in your story, and not give up. For me, my first book, I had more than a hundred rejections from agents. And the reason is because it just wasn't ready. And so many agents took the time and said, I can't represent you, but 
this has potential, keep working on it, here's what I think you should do. And eventually I found an agent who said yes, and like I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so I think you just have to not give up and just, it may take years. It's not an easy road, but you can do it if you believe in yourself. And you mentioned earlier in, in passing that you had written kind of two novels that you, in your words, you, you never see the, that would never see the light of day. What, what was that process like writing those novels and why do you think they, they'll never see the light of day? It was complete ignorance on my part of how to write a book. I just thought, hey, I'm going to write this book. I have this great idea. And the two were so completely different from each other. And each one, I was kind of writing out of my league. Mm -hmm. I think I was just getting out that urge to write something. Sure. And I don't regret it. I think they were both great learning experiences. But they're... They belong not seen quite a bit. <laughs> Maybe you'll publish them as an ebook one day. Um, I, I don't even think so. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, it's too embarrassing. Who, who are <clears throat> who are some of the writers that you're reading now that that kind of inspire you, um, or that you kind of look forward to their next book and 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 buy it immediately? Um, well, right now I'm reading. Um, the Stranger You Seek by Amanda Kyle Williams. Very, very good book. Um, I love Laura Littman. I haven't been able to get to her newest one yet, but I can't wait. And I'm, I'm, I've been a Stephen King fan since the seventh grade, so I'm very <laughs> curious to see what he does with his next one coming out, I think. Is it coming out in November? Yeah, yeah. It's the, the JFK time travel. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very curious about that one. Yeah. And then next year we have to look forward to that uh, kind of interstitial novel from from the Dark Tower series. I think they jokingly referred to it as kind of four point five. Yeah, I never read Dark Tower. Ah, that was that was too a bit too fantasy for me. I like his, and I especially like his his later ones where he sort of gets away from the horror. It's still there, but it's very much about personal drama and personal conflict. I mean, Under the Dome was just amazingly written. Sure, sure. Well, where can people find you online if they're interested in uh, learning about Bad Moon and, and checking out your schedule for your book tour? Um, my website is toddritteronline.com. And on that site, there are links to my Facebook page. Um, there are links to my Twitter account. I'm on both pretty much every day. <laughs> Great. Well, um, again, we've been speaking with Todd Ritter, author of the new book, Bad Moon. It's available in bookstores this week. And Todd, thanks for doing the interview. Thank you very much. I had a great time. Sure, sure. Anything that we didn't cover that you want to cover? Um, no, just that, yeah, Bad Moon's out. It's a fantastic book, and I really can't wait for people to get it in their hands and read it and tell me what they think about it. This is Lee Child, and I'm listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast. Thanks for listening to my latest podcast. If you have a chance, please leave a review of the podcast in iTunes. It only takes a moment. Until next time, read some good books and be well.